This is the Stars and Bacteria podcast. I'm Jas, and you're listening to episode six, Love and Robots. Could you fall in love with a robot in the same way you could with another human being? This sounds like a movie plot. So let's actually start with a movie. Let's start with the film, Her. Her is a special film for many reasons. One of those reasons is that it presents a non-dystopian future where AI and humans peacefully coexist. The world in which the movie is set is not much different from ours. The movie is about Theodore, a lonely, introverted, socially awkward person going through a divorce. Theodore buys a virtual assistant with AI capabilities, which is programmed to self-learn and evolve. He gives the AI a female voice, and the AI chooses a name for itself, Samantha. They begin to form a strong connection based on their conversations about love, life, loneliness, and much more. Theodore and Samantha enter a relationship and begin dating. Now, as you see in the movie, you cannot help but think this is what a romance with an advanced Alexa or Siri would look like. In the end, the relationship doesn't quite work out, and all of the AIs on Earth, including Samantha, become bored of human beings and leave for a different dimension. In this sci-fi film, unlike most others, the AIs don't wage a war against humans, like Skynet trying to wipe out humanity. Instead, the AIs here just find humans too boring and leave. This seems far-fetched, but exactly how far is it? If we take Maslow's pyramid or hierarchy of needs model and focus in on the psychological section, we can readapt this for machines or specifically for voice technology. At the bottom of the pyramid, there would be a virtual assistant AI which fulfills our organizational needs. This has already been done with Alexa. On top of this would be an AI-based psychotherapist or clinical psychologist. Although there are AI chatbots and other tools which exist to support CBT or counseling, there is no standalone AI psychotherapy system which has been rolled out. Therapy and counseling suffers from many constraints, two of which are a lack of therapists and secondly, time. Sessions can take up to an hour, unlike routine GP appointments, and run over a number of weeks. An AI-based system could solve this. It's able to scale in a way that human therapists aren't. But there are many difficulties and problems in creating such a system. Now, we could do an entire episode on AI-based psychotherapy alone, but we'll save that for another episode. Let's move up one more layer, and that would be an AI companion or a friend who could fulfill our social needs and give a sense of belonging. And the uppermost layer is a lover, a partner, and this takes us back to the original question. In his book, Love and Sex with Robots, David Levy claimed that by 2050, humans will desire robots as friends, sexual partners, and even spouses. Before we dig deeper into the idea of falling in love with robots, let's look at other areas where robots have been implemented. In certain parts of the world, robots are already used in areas such as healthcare and especially in care of the elderly. Let's take Japan as an example. For some time, Japan has had an aging population and there has been a shortage of nurses and care workers. Because of this shortage, many people had to leave their jobs and became full-time carers for elder family members. And that's when Japan decided to turn to robotics for help. Many communication robots have been placed in lots of elderly homes. These robots, or companion bots, are able to have simple conversations with patients and also have pre-installed entertainment programs. In hospitals and care homes in general, the elderly are prone to having falls. And even in the UK, there is lifting equipment which is used to help lift up an elderly person when they've had a fall in a safe manner. But this is just a tip of the iceberg in exploring how robots and machines can help. Japan have used integrated care beds, which double up as wheelchairs to avoid the difficulties in moving elderly patients from beds to chairs. It's certainly possible to see robots taking a more hands-on approach in the future, whether this is giving food, medications, and even having conversations. 
in the care homes in Japan. Since quite a few elderly people don't wish to bother the understaffed and overworked care workers, they use robots as an alternative for conversation to surprisingly good results. There is a marked difference in attitudes towards robots between the West and Japan. Anthropologists and scholars note the reason for this is culture and religion. Animism is a part of the Shinto religion, which existed in Japan before Buddhism and is still influential. Animism states that all objects have a spirit. It doesn't make a heavy distinction between inanimate objects and human beings. However, in the West, the creation of some form of artificial life resembles death and destruction, whether that's Frankenstein or the Terminator or any other creature from a whole host of dystopian sci-fi movies. One author noted that the Japanese view robots in the same way the Westerners view the soul. I would make a slight addition here. Robots are to Japan what pets are to Westerners. So in other words, Japan views robots as pets and not as existential threats. When industrial robots were introduced in Japan, they were actually first blessed by Shinto priests. And after this, the employees gave them a round of applause. They welcomed the new member of their team. Early depictions of androids in the Western media are synonymous with Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator. Whereas in Japan, it's Astro Boy a small harmless robot helping humanity. To further understand what influences an individual or society's perception of robots, it's worth understanding the concept of the uncanny valley coined in the 1970s by Professor Mori of the Tokyo Institute of Technology. Professor Mori described his observation that as robots appear more like humans, our affinity or appeal towards them grows and we are accepting of them. But as they become increasingly similar to humans, there comes a point when they make us feel uneasy and strange and we feel scared by them. Then from this point, as the robot's human likeness increases, our negative response gives way to a positive one and we become more accepting once again. It seems as if there is a point at which humans, knowing the robot is not human but looks similar enough to be a human, where we feel a repulsion towards them. Robots are also being used in health and nutrition. A new research trial from Australia has shown that the use of social robots holds promise in improving health outcomes. A robot-delivered program helped people reduce their snacking by as much as 50% and the enrolled subjects lost 4.4 kilograms in weight over a one-month period. The robots were able to provide the necessary steps, advise and counsel the subjects on their health and behaviour. These results seem to be on par with human clinician-led programs. Interestingly, the test subjects said that the robot was non-judgmental. As a result, they were able to show greater transparency about some of their behaviours which would otherwise be embarrassing, example, excess consumption of sugary drinks or foods. Knowing they wouldn't be judged made the participants more open and willing to share honest information and try out the programme. Others also felt having a companion in the journey helped them in the process and also benefited from the emotional support that the robot provided. Another area where robots have been used is in the sex technology or sex tech industry. This industry is reportedly worth around $30 billion and is growing at about 30% a year. Some of the products or services in this market include sex robots as well as robot brothels. Professor Elizabeth Phillips, who specializes in the study of human-robot interaction, says it is inevitable that humans will be able to love and have physical relationships with a robot. At the moment, we use words such as love and obsessed to describe our relationship with gadgets. And according to Professor Phillips, this attachment can translate from gadget to robot. The idea that humans turn to machines for companionship or as an antidote to their loneliness is not strange. It happens all around us today. Social technology has mediated communication and contact between humans. Whether this is chatting to friends and family members in different countries, connecting with strangers on professional networks such as LinkedIn, or finding interesting people on Twitter. 
an increasing number of people are turning to dating apps to find partners, and some dating apps are geared to finding friends. As people move around more, whether to find work in different places or travel for work or cultural experiences, technology tries to help build connections. Cities struggle to form communities. The design and culture of cities is not friendly towards communities, but technology has tried to help create these. Technology has mediated direct human interaction and has allowed an increasing number of individuals to become connected. But what about human-robot relationships? To better understand this, we can look at the world of gaming. Dating sim games have become increasingly popular. One example of such a game is Mystic Messenger, which was released back in 2016 and has had multi-millions of downloads since then. The aim of the game is to form a romantic relationship with a character in the game, similar to what Theodore had with Samantha. The player communicates with the artificial characters through text messaging, fostering closeness and intimacy. Users say that the pre-scripted responses feel sincere and natural. The end objective of the game isn't by scoring the most number of points or beating a final nemesis. It's actually about living happily ever after with your virtual lover. Unlike earlier generation of dating sims, where the action was focused on more erotic and sexual interactions, these games are centered around the conversations between the players and characters, with special attention devoted to well-developed scripts. Even in Japan, when dating sim games were first released, they were seen to be controversial. Criticism was directed at the fact that there seemed to be a retreat from human relationships, and individuals were now seeking comfort in machines rather than human beings. But this perception has changed, and enthusiastic dating sim gamers see this as a dawn of digital intimacy. The word mo, or moe, and I'm pretty sure I'm butchering this, it was used in Japanese poetry to describe nature blossoming into life. But in the dating sim communities, this word now describes the distinct feeling of intimacy that a person has with a virtual being. Some commentators argue that in the near future, the divide between real and artificial will become meaningless. Maybe similar to how no one uses the words offline and online anymore, since everyone is essentially always online. Anthropologists in Japan have noted that simulated dating environments provide a safe space for individuals to flirt and communicate without running the risk of misinterpreting social cues or violating certain etiquettes and norms and also evading the fear of rejection. It is not just visual graphics that have improved at a drastic rate and will likely continue to do so, but as software developers use increasingly sophisticated natural language processing to make virtual characters even more interactive and even more human, the distinction between real and virtual is likely to be blurred further. Let's speak briefly about the Turing test. The Turing test involves a conversation between a machine and a human being conducted through typed messages from separate rooms. A machine is thought to be sentient if it manages to convince the human that it is a person, that it is capable of thinking. For those of you who have seen Ex Machina, you would have seen this test taken one step further. One of the characters, Caleb, was informed from the very beginning that Ava was a robot. He then interacted with her over many sessions. The real test was despite Caleb knowing Ava was a robot, did he feel that she was capable of having consciousness? Imagine you're speaking to someone on WhatsApp and you strike up a conversation and you speak over many days, weeks and months and an emotional connection develops. But then you later found out that this is not a person you've been speaking to. It's actually a machine. Has this machine passed an emotional Turing test? According to David Levy, author of Love and Sex with Robots, if we expand this into the domain of emotional intelligence, if a robot behaves as if it has feelings and emotions, can we reasonably argue that it actually doesn't? Levy goes on to say that even human beings are to some degree or some extent programmed 
similar to an intelligent machine, through components such as hormones, neurotransmitters, and neural circuits which create emotions. He asserts that in a few years, difference between a human and a robot will be no more than the cultural differences that exist between people from different nations. He also adds that the perception of relationships with robots will be normalized. According to Levy, some people struggle to form satisfying relationships with humans, or even form any kind of a relationship with humans for various reasons. Some individuals feel an emotional void who could potentially benefit from robots, whilst others might try out of curiosity or fascination. It's not necessarily that people will fall in love with an algorithm, but that people fall in love with a convincing simulation of a human being. And these convincing simulations, according to Levy, can have a remarkable effect on people, something we've already seen in the dating sim game communities. Now, history is ripe with examples where our perception of love and relationships has changed. Not that long ago, the idea of people of the same sex falling in love and marrying one another would be both illegal and seen as a psychiatric disorder. It's not necessarily the nature of relationships that has changed, but rather our perception of these relationships. I can see the potential that robots would have in taking care of the elderly or in healthcare in general. I can also see robots having a relationship that is similar to the one that humans have with pets. Although, maybe I say that because I don't have any pets, and those who do would think I'm crazy for saying something like this. I can also imagine a subset of the population developing deeper relationships with robots. Uh, whether that's physical or emotional. I also find it possible and plausible that individuals would marry robots. But I don't necessarily see robots as a panacea or an antidote to loneliness. Loneliness is a much more deeper problem and the roots of that problem usually lie within ourselves. What do you think? Do you think it is possible for a human to fall in love with a robot? Do you think such relationships can survive the test of time? Would you enter into a relationship with a sophisticated robot? Would you replace your current partner with a sophisticated robot? Make sure you leave your answers in the LinkedIn or the Instagram posts. I'd be very curious to hear them, especially the answer to that last one. It would also be very interesting to know whether your opinions on this are similar to that of your partner, your family and your friends, or whether it's completely different. And even though this is the end of the episode, I'm hoping you can carry on the discussion. If you enjoyed the episode, or even if you didn't, please let us know by leaving a comment or any feedback in either the Instagram or LinkedIn posts. And to catch all future episodes, head over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts click subscribe. And if you could leave a rating, that would be great. This is the Stars and Bacteria podcast. I'm Jas. Thank you for listening. Till next time.